0: Thanks to Blinkist for supporting The Productivity Show. Blinkist condenses the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books down to just 15 minutes. Try Blinkist free for seven days and save 25% on your new subscription at blinkist.com TPS. Welcome to The Productivity Show, a podcast by Asian Efficiency to help you maximize your productivity so you can get everything done without having to sacrifice your health, family, and things that matter to you. We've helped tens of thousands of people save time, be happier, and become more productive. Let's talk about failure. It is easy to be productive when everything is going well. But what happens when you have a setback? Even a small failure can be discouraging and get you in a rut. What can you do to get yourself back to be productive again? We're going to share three strategies for how to bounce back from failure and share examples of how we've done it ourselves. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theprotivishow.com slash 295. And now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Productivity Show. My name is Tim Fan. I'm the founder and CEO of Agent Efficiency, where we help people become
1: more productive at work and in life. And I'm Brooks Duncan, the Operations Director at Agent Efficiency, and we are the hosts of the Productivity Show. So today we're gonna be
0: talking about how to bounce back from failure. So if you're somebody who is in a rut and you wanna get back on track, this episode is especially for you. But before we start diving into the content today, one of the things we always like to do at The Productivity Show is share some of our favorite productivity resources as of lately. So we have three and in the next 90 seconds or less, I'm gonna share some of my favorite ones as of lately. So the first one is called otter.ai. This is a smart note-taking solution and it actually can take whatever you're saying and then transcribe it real time. So live as you're just saying stuff. So you can also record something and then upload it and then get a transcript as well. So it's really useful for creating quote unquote, like smart notes as I like to call them. And uh, if you're somebody who wants to get a transcript of your meetings or just like when you, whenever you're saying stuff real time, this is a really good app to use. So otter.ai. The next one is MindMeister. So if you've been following productivity show for a while, you know, we're big fans of mind mapping. And this is one of our favorite mind mapping tools. So you can kind of put stuff in a mind map. If you've never heard of the idea of a mind map, think of it as like creating a circle in the middle and then creating different ideas and and things from there that you can kind of organize in a visual way. So the cool thing about MindMeister is that it's an online web-based tool, so you don't need to download anything. So go check it out. And then the next one is HelloSign. So if you're somebody who deals with a lot of paperwork and contracts and agreements, HelloSign allows you to put that all into a digital platform or space and allow people to sign digitally. So it's uh, completely legal and valid and it's used by so many companies. We use it as well. So it's something I highly recommend you check out if you deal with a lot of agreements and contracts and paperwork. So go check out HelloSign. And we have links to all of this in the show notes as well. So if you miss anything, don't worry. Just go back to the podcast app or go to theproductivityshow.com slash 295. And we'll have links to all of that in
1: here as well.
0: So we're going to be talking about failure, something you and I both know a lot about. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was, was going to uh, say
1: something Something you're an expert on, Brooks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're going to be sharing some of the things that we've learned from how to bounce back from failure, because a lot of people who are listening to the productivity show have experienced failure at some point, right? And maybe you're somebody who is trying to get back on track. You know, maybe it's something that happened at work or something in your personal life. You're trying to reboot a project, but maybe uh, nothing has really worked for you. And if that is the case, then you're going to learn some of our favorite tips and tricks to get you back on track. And I know some of the people who are listening right now are maybe in a rut right now. They experienced some recent failure and kind of lost momentum and motivation to do anything. And if that is you, we're going to share some tips as well for you to be able to get back on track and bounce back to where you used to be. And I know a lot of you who are listening also want to know how to prevent themselves from getting into this rut and how to prevent yourself from being in this moment where you know maybe you fail at something and then you're maybe not capable to get back on track. So we're gonna share some tips to help you prevent that from happening as well. So uh, Brooks, we're gonna be talking about failure here today. And this is usually a topic that most people don't like to talk about, right? And failure kind of comes a lot of shapes and forms. But the example that you know I can think of when it comes to failures that most people can relate to as an example is uh, maybe you got fired from a job, right you lost motivation for your work or career and business even or maybe uh, some people i know got recently divorced or got out of a relationship you maybe you published something recently and it didn't take off whether it was a course or some artwork or something else maybe it's a business that you started and it completely failed maybe you invested a lot of money or time in, into something that never got done or never panned out do you have any failure or recent failures that you want to share with the audience
1: yeah, well, all your examples that you gave are good ones and it's and there was a wide range of failures that you shared, but that's actually pretty important because a lot of times we think the failure has to be related to the 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 challenge or the impact that you're having, but really like a failure in One's personal life can really impact one's business life and vice versa. So it's really important that we have the tools to bounce back from the failure wherever it is so that we can we can have a more kind of holistic way of looking at things. For me, as far as failures go, one that definitely pops into my mind, and uh, we'll be talking about this a bit more, is there was one time in my corporate career where I went for an internal job. And it was one that I was sure I was qualified for. I was sure I was the best candidate for. For me, it didn't really occur to me that I wouldn't get it, but I didn't get it. Uh, One of my coworkers, who I was friends with ended up getting the job. uh, And that was my first real career setback. And that I learned a lot from that experience. So when when I think of failures, that is definitely one that pops to mind. How about you? Oh,
0: please, please tell me it was your friend Jason who got the job.
1: over <laughs> No, he would never get a job over me. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> We're laughing because Tan knows uh, my friend Jason as well. No, no. His name was Craig. Super awesome, super talented guy. No hard feelings. But at the time I did think I was surprised. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. When it comes to my personal life, I just have so many setbacks and failures, right? So recently. Uh, One of the things that I do is I have a DEXA scan that I take every quarter. And for those who don't know, a DEXA scan is is like the most accurate machine in the world. It's called a DEXA that scans your whole body. And it can accurately scan how much body fat and lean muscle mass you have. And I do this every quarter to kind of keep myself in check and making sure that my nutrition is doing well and everything is just working out okay. And so I've been doing this for the last year and a half. And for the first time... In the six times I've done it, I've actually gone the opposite direction. So I actually got results back that weren't so good. I actually put on a lot of weight and my muscle mass actually stayed the same. Even though I've been working out really hard and I was hoping to lose some body fat, uh, but actually I gained some body fat. So I was really upset about that recently because I thought I put in the work. But I guess the December months and the January months kind of like put me over the edge <laughs> by going out quite a bit and having a lot of uh, food and, and drinks with people, which was a very social month for me, January and February and, and also uh, December as well. So I kind of learned from that and I'm making adjustments as we go. So we're going to be sharing some more examples here, but, you know, just want to let everybody know that we're not perfect either. You know, we experience failures as well. But we've learned from them as well from other past mistakes and things that we've done. So we want to share some examples here with you and some tips as well to get you to bounce back. So, so the first tip that we have here for you today is to understand that you are not your failure. And this is a really important mindset when you think about failure or even success when you think about it. Just because you failed at something or even succeeded at something, it doesn't define who you are as a person right? So if you failed, for example, a test as a really simple example, does that mean that you're stupid? No, it doesn't mean that you're stupid. You just failed a test, right? Likewise, if you succeeded or you passed the test, does that mean that you're uber smart? No, that doesn't mean that either, right? So just because you failed at something doesn't necessarily mean that that's who you are as a person. And so that's something that I think is really important to remember. So for example. In my personal life, if I eat a salad five days in a row, I consider that a success. And then every time I do that, does that mean that I'm a quote unquote successful person? No, I, the outcome is I ate a salad five days in a row and that's that's fine. And if I failed, you know, I'm still in my own mind, you know, a, a kind, optimistic person and whether I failed or succeeded or not, it doesn't really matter. So the way I look at it is like everything is feedback. Whether it's a failure or a success is just feedback and it doesn't define who you are. And so I'm curious to hear from you, Brooks, when you uh, went for that job, did you feel like when it didn't go your way that you were defining yourself as a failure or how did you interpret that?
1: Yeah, oh. it absolutely felt that way. And it's funny, and I had never really thought about this, but if you, if you think to yourself that if you own your successes, that means you have to own your failures. And I think at, at the time I really did own like mentally own my successes in the sense that when I was going for that job, you know, I felt that I knew it was in the software industry and I knew the product better than anyone else, except maybe the coders. And I actually knew more than most of them. I had a, had a lot of successes in, in my roles and I felt for sure. I felt that, you know, it would be a a no brainer. So once I didn't get the job, I just felt really, really shocked. And I felt really, at first I did feel very upset and really down on myself. Like I'm, I guess I'm not as, as amazing as I thought I was maybe. And yeah, I was, I was absolutely feeling that way. It took me a while to really realize that exactly what you said, that there were circumstances that, that meant that led to me not getting the job. That had nothing to do with me as a person, nothing to do with my skill set and what I thought I, I was good at. But I just needed that failure to actually teach me that 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 was the case. And the funny thing about it was, the person who would have been my manager, I ended up being just due to reorganizations later after a couple of promotions, ended up being my boss anyway. So we talked about it, and he he explained a lot of the reasons why. I didn't end up getting that job and it really did have nothing to do with all these things I thought was my success. So yeah, that was a powerful learning experience. And I I actually took those lessons that I learned and applied them to my career going forward. So it actually really, really helped me. If I had gotten that job my life would have definitely gone in a different direction. I don't think it would have been a successful one.
0: Yeah. When I got my DEXA results back and it didn't, exactly show what I was hoping for. It was in a sense a failure because I was hoping to put on more lean mass and then also lose body fat or at least stay around the same. But it didn't turn out to be that way. And I could have easily said to myself, you know what? I am a failure. I am a sucky person. I'm terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. And I could have you know, defined myself as, as an identity even to say, hey, you know, I'm just not good at this. I'm never going to be good at that. And that's a really toxic place to be. So we don't want you to go in that direction either. And I think what's healthy to keep reminding yourself is that when something doesn't go your way, again, it's just feedback, right? So when I got my DEXA scan results back, I knew it was just feedback. It said, hey, Tan, based on the actions that you've taken over the last few months, these are the results that have gotten to that, right? And I've realized, okay, there's some things I could have done better and I learned from that. And we had some team training today as well where Sherby, she was learning about this methodology of like how to how to learn better and more efficiently based on the book, uh, The Art of Learning by Josh uh, Waitskin. And she said, you learn the most from your failures. And so this goes back to the idea of feedback. When we have failures and we can learn from them, it actually allows us to grow and be better in the future. And I learned a lot from my failure and when I got my results back and I said, hey, you know what? I have to make some changes to what I do to, to get the results that I want. And that's really good feedback. And I'm really optimistic and excited about what to do next. And again, I'm not defined by what happens. You know, I'm not a failure. I'm just learning and, and interpreting this feedback. So again, the big takeaway here is that, again, you are not your failure. Whatever happens, you are not your failure. Don't be defined by what happens. <laughs> what happens? Blinkist is a great app for learning new things and getting ahead. When you feel like you don't have free time, you don't read or work on personal development. To solve that, Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. 12 million people are already using Blinkist right now and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had the time to. I like Blinkist because it helps me get to the key takeaways of a book in only 15 minutes so I can incorporate those learnings into my life immediately. I don't have a car, so I spend a lot of time traveling around the cities and ride shares. That's when I use Blinkist to keep up with the books I want to catch up on. Here are a few books I'm liking from Blinkist right now. First one is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I read this years and years ago, so Blinkist was a great way to review and refresh the key points. Another one is Brain Rules by John Medina. You can learn how to improve the way your brain works. With Blinkist, you can get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash TPS and try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash TPS to start your free seven-day trial. You also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash TPS.
1: It's also a good example of why it's important not to just go with your first instinct and to really stop, take a beat and think about things and analyze things. Because your first instinct, like you said, when you got your scam, was to beat yourself up my first instinct when i didn't get the job and i think this happens for a lot of people especially in corporate my first instinct is i'm out of here that's it <laughs> you know i'm i'm going to i'm going to start a searching monster or whatever the website was at the time i didn't get my way so i am out of here i'm done with these suckers but that isn't the approach that i took thankfully but that was definitely my in- initial reaction but then once i thought about it and you know talked a little bit more I realized the learning that was there sitting there on the plate for me. If I chose to take it, it's just that a lot of us don't choose to take that learning.
0: Yeah. Like Sherby mentioned this morning, it's, it's a goldmine. Really. Whenever you have Philly or you, uh, you see it there, it's an opportunity for you to learn from it and to really grow because Let's face it, we learn more from our failures than we do from our successes. So let's use that as, a, as an opportunity to really grow, right? So, again, the big takeaway from point number one here is that you are not your failure. All right, let's move on to tip number two here. And if you want to bounce back and get back on track, one of the best things you can do is to change your environment. One of the fastest ways to get over the hump is to change your environment. So if you're somebody who feels like they're in a rut right now, they can't get anything done, they can't focus, they can't be productive whatsoever, change your environment. So what does that exactly mean? So an example for me is I work from home. We've been working remotely for the last 10 years now. And one of the things I've always noticed that if I stay home for a while and I don't leave my home, I don't feel as good. So I usually like to then go to a coffee shop or to the local library to kind of switch up my environment to then kind of like get this new sense of energy and focus to be able to get stuff done. So I usually leave my place at least two, three times a week to just switch up my environment to make sure that I'm I'm getting this sense of like, hey, I'm not in the same routine all the time. I need to switch it up just a little bit to get that focus back. Likewise for you, if you're working from home all the time, try switching up your environment. Or if you're somebody who works from the office all the time, maybe you can sneak in working from home every now and then, especially with the recent times. I think that's even more important now and even a bigger emphasis for a lot of companies. So give that a try as well, right? Another thing is, let's say you broke up with someone, right? You live in the same city. I mean, I know this is an extreme version, but I know people who have moved to different cities so that they can kind of like reset and restart their life, right? But, you know, that's an extreme example of what another example that you can take in the miniature version is to go on a vacation or go on a trip. I believe, Brooks, that's something that you like to do, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. What I like to do when possible, our current environment isn't making it as possible as uh, best of times, but yeah, sometimes if things are just not going going right, what I like to do is on a weekend, just grab the family and just go somewhere else in our province. Not like a big trip or anything like that, but just go to maybe one of the islands around here or just go up to where the mountains are and just get into nature and just shake things up that way. Kind of very micro version of that is... Even if I'm working from home, I have also worked from home for more than 10 years, just like you. So my office is in my basement. But sometimes if I just if it's just not going well for me, if things aren't aren't working out super well, what I just like to do is just take my computer and go up to up to the kitchen where it's just a different environment, work from the table. What I used to do when I worked in corporate is. If I didn't want to be at my desk, I would go to a breakout room or maybe one of my colleagues was on vacation. I'd go to their office. I didn't have an office, but I would hang out in somebody's office or I'd even go off site to a, a cafe or something like that and work for there. So just those little shift changing things up can be really, really helpful for just getting out of that mental rut.
0: Another really easy thing to do is just change the music that you listen to. Again, we're talking about your environment here, right? It's not just something physical. It could also be the music that you listen to. So, for example, I see friends who, whenever they go through a breakup, they listen to really sad songs and and romantic songs. And I'm like, guys, this is, this is not the music to listen to right now. You want to listen to totally different music, something that's a little bit more happy and upbeat. And it can change your mood very quickly, right? Music is one of the most powerful things for our moods. So change the music that you listen to. Uh, Another thing to consider is just hanging out with different people. If you find yourself being surrounded by people who are not motivated, they're not that ambitious, but you are, you are really motivated and ambitious, but you feel like you're being held back or even dragged down by the people around you, consider changing who you hang out with. So that's something I always like to think about as well because if I'm so upbeat and happy and then I meet somebody and they're like, oh, you know, super sad and depressive and I deal with a lot of different things, if you spend enough time around that, you you start to feel the same way. And that's not the energy that we want to have, right? So consider who you hang out with as well and maybe – you have to spend less time with those kinds of people. And that's a reality that you have to deal with. But uh, you are in control of your life. You are the CEO of your life. So be sure to do what's best for you as well. And so to give you a ex- personal example, I remember going through a breakup and I said, you know what? I need to leave the city for a week because otherwise I'm just going to be thinking about this the whole time and and I'm going to be sad the whole time and I'm not going to be able to focus at work. And that happens like anytime I showed up at the office, you know, the only thing I could think about was my breakup and my relationship and how heartbroken I was. And I said, you know what? I need to leave the city. So I took a Thursday off and a Friday off and took my car, went to Big Bear. This is back when I was living in Los Angeles and Big Bear is a few hours away. So I drove up there, stayed up in the mountains for a little bit and then came back Sunday night and I felt like a new person almost. So it was really simple, just because I I got to have my own environment. So that's something that I think you should consider as well. If you feel like you're in a rut right now, you can't really bounce back. Like you experience something that kind of put you down, change your environment. It's really one of the best and easiest things you, that you can do.
1: This is actually a, an example of how I translated my learnings from the the first example into this. Is When I was working in corporate, one of the reasons I I looked at, I analyzed the reasons why I hadn't got that job. And one of them was that most of what I did, I worked mainly with people in my own team or maybe right around me and not, I didn't take as much advantage of the wider communication of our company outside of our office. So that was a a change up my environment that I did. I made a conscious effort to kind of meet people from outside of my office communicate more, which led to a lot of opportunities for myself, but also for my team as well that I was leading. We were able to take on different products and get more exposure and travel more. So that all came from a failure and from from analyzing the reasons for the failure. So changing up that environment, a can be changing where you're sitting or getting out temporarily, but it can also be changing up the things that you do to improve things that led to the failure in the first place.
0: So again, that was tip number two here, and that is to change your environment. All right, let's move on to tip number three here, and that is happy people are productive people. So that's something that we always like to say. If you've been following Asian Efficiency, if you've been following the Productivity Show for a while, you know that we like to say that happy people are productive people. And this is an idea that we took away from Scrum. Because one of the things that they've noticed from just studying productive teams and just high performers in general is that they're all very happy people in general. And what we've learned from our own teams and also from the people that we work with internally, we've seen that the happier you are, the more productive you'll be. So what are some of the things that you can do to be happier? And it's really that simple. So start to make a list of all the things that make you happy. What are some of the things that you could do to make you happy? What are some of the things that you really enjoy that make you smile, that make you happy, that give you positive thoughts? Make that list and then see what you can do to actually follow through or implement those activities into your life. So I'm curious to hear from you, Brooks. Are there any particular things that you like to do that put a smile on your face to make you happy, to give you positive thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, I already mentioned about getting out of town for a quick weekend break with the family, but, but even on a more micro level than that, uh, sometimes what I like to do is just, and it is especially when there's something not going right for me or maybe I had a frustrating situation or uh, a failure, what I like to do is just get out of the house and go for a walk. So I'll go for a walk through the neighborhood. I'm lucky in the sense that I live near a couple forests. So I will go for a quick 20 minute walk through the forest. It's kind of like a loop. And then I get back to to my house. And just even after doing that, that thing that I was so frustrated about before is a lot less frustrating because I know that that is something that makes me happy. And I like what you said about making a list, because I bet if a lot of us, if you if someone was to come up to you and ask, hey, what are what are the things that make you happy? A lot of times we don't really know. It's not something at at top of mind. So making a pro, I'm actually going to take this as an action item from this episode because I've never done this, but making a proactive list, hey, these are the five things that really make me happy. That's such a great idea because in the moment when you did have a discouraging failure, when you are frustrated with something, it can be really hard to think of those things that make you happy and improve things. So if you have that list ready to roll, then you can just refer to it. So that's a a great idea.
0: I would imagine too, if you ask most people what makes you happy, they honestly wouldn't really know what to say right away or even have a good answer. And that's why I want to suggest this to you, because once you get really clear about that, everything else just becomes so much easier, right? So imagine being able to wake up feeling extremely happy when you show up at work, feeling really grateful and happy about everything in your life. Imagine how that day would go. Imagine being able to sit down at your desk feeling extremely happy and excited about life. How much more productive are you going to be compared to someone who, you know, shows up at the office, you know, slumps over their desk, you know, is really tired, it's not that excited, you know, even if they have to do the same task, obviously the person who's really happy is gonna get it done better probably even faster as well. And more and in a more you know productive way as well. And by the time they're done, they're probably gonna feel just as happy compared to the person who's, you know, just not excited and not happy at all, right? And it's I always like to say, you know, if you are starting your day and you're starting at like a zero, which is like on the scale of zero to 10, 10 being extremely happy and excited and zero being neutral. Imagine starting your day at a negative five, how much more challenging is it going to be for you to be really productive if you're starting at a negative five compared to just being even zero or compared to you know somebody who is like a 10, you know, extremely happy. And so some of the things that I like to think of or if I had to create my own list, I know that exercising for a lot of people makes them happier, right? Because part of it is a biochemistry thing. It just makes you feel really good, right? Also spending enough time with your friends and family. That's something that really makes me happy. If you live in Austin and you are a good friend of mine, you probably have attended at one point either one of my dinner parties or my board game nights. I love playing board games with my friends. That's something I kind of picked up in the last two years or so and kind of discovered that I really enjoy. It makes me really happy. Another thing I've talked a lot about is going on vacation or traveling. I know travel for some people can be really stressful and there's certain parts of that that is kind of stressful. But the end result usually is that I'm much happier because I'm learning about new cultures, going through new experiences. So traveling is definitely something that makes me happy. Something that I think is really underrated for me is meditation. So by the time I'm meditating and I'm done with that, I'm not like happy, 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 but I feel really good about myself. And that as a result will have like a domino effect on everything else that makes me happy. So I think meditation is one of those key things that I think... Most of us have heard of, but don't really implement enough. So that's something I would encourage you to do as well. The other thing, honestly, every time I write in my journal, one of the questions I always ask myself is, what is something I'm really grateful for? And having a good night of sleep is something I'm really grateful for because I know when I sleep well, I'm going to feel good. It makes me much happier. So going to bed early and sleeping really well is something that I know makes me really happy. I know that sounds like I'm a grandpa. I'm super boring. (laughs) But if that is the thing that makes me happy, I'm going to optimize for that. Anything else,
1: Brooks, that you want to add to your list? One thing I'll add is playing board games for you might make you happy, but I'm not sure that playing board games with you makes people happy because you are one of the most competitive people I know when it comes to board games. So I think what makes you happiest is when your friends are all destroyed and lying dead on the ground. <laughs> but we've been, uh, uh, we have been we record these episodes live in front of the dojo, which is our community. You can check that out at theproductivityshow.com forward slash dojo. And some dojo members have been sharing the things that makes them happy. So here are some ideas for you that might spark some ideas if you're listening to this. Phil says walks definitely in the spring. He lives in Australia, so maybe it's too hot in the summer. Caesar says reading, playing board games, and playing with his dog. Totally makes sense. Phil also says (laughs) Julie Andrews, Sound and Music. I totally agree. Sound of Music is a very underrated, happy-making soundtrack, so I highly recommend that. And actually, the movie, too. It's very difficult to watch that movie and not end up happy. And then Batman says, doggy playdates with friends and meditation. So, And Phil also has a good suggestion. is If you have a grateful list, making a list and referring to that list of things you're grateful for uh, can be really, really helpful.
0: I like how Carly's nickname on, on the live podcast here is Batman. And we always <laughs>
1: refer to her as Batman. But Carly <laughs> makes some
0: good points here. And the other thing that I think is really underrated is just reading. Uh, it was kind of mentioned earlier, but I was in a rut for a while. where I didn't read for about four or five months. And, you know, life went on and life was just fine. But I noticed, like, as soon as I picked it up again, I felt so much better and happier because I was learning again. I was, like, really excited about the new knowledge and having this habit and routine back into my life. And what I've kind of realized is that the more we can stick to the basics, the happier we can become. And so for me, anytime I feel like I'm in a rut or just not feeling right or out of sync, I just try to look at the basic things again. So am I sleeping well? Am I eating right? Am I exercising on a regular basis? Am I meditating? You know, have I recently taken some time off? Have I recently traveled? Have I hung out with friends and family? You know, have I read a book recently? Have I played board games with some friends recently, right? So these are all like the basic things. And you start to see that, you know, optimizing for happiness, is not really that hard. It's not really that challenging, but we just have to put some thought into it and say, hey, let's create a list. What are some of the things that make me happy? And let's consistently do these kinds of things. And if we're not doing it, then how do we expect to be happy, right? So whether that's playing with your dog, going on a date with your significant other, whatever makes you happy Make sure to create that list and consistently hit those points. And if you want to get really geeky, and now I personally haven't done this, but I do this in other areas of my life. But if you even want to track it on a Google sheet or something, kudos to you for for doing that, because there's nothing more important than optimizing for happiness. So just some ideas for everyone to consider. So again, that is tip number three. Happy people are productive people. So create a list of things that make you happy and uh, do those things or as we like to call it, do the damn thing, (laughs) every now and then. (laughs) So, Brooks, uh, that is it for today's episode, and uh, we're going to close it out, as always, with action steps. And uh, if you have been following Asian Efficiency and a productivity show for a while, you know that we always like to keep things simple and actionable. Whenever we're publishing content, creating courses, or materials for you, we want to make sure that you truly implement this stuff. So we shared some of the stuff here today, that you can do so the first one again is you are not your failure so don't define yourself based on your failure right the second thing we talked about was changing your environments and then the third thing is to optimize for happiness so happy people are productive people and ideally you want to implement all of them but we recommend that you always pick one of them and if not two so if i had to say pick two things to do i would say change your environment asap and then also do one thing that makes you happy today so again, thank you for being with us. If you want to find the show notes to this episode, you can go to theproductivityshow.com 295. Do you wish there were more hours in a day? Are you behind on your to-do list? If you want to be more productive and get proven tools to help you save time, then you must check out our new productivity assessment. Within two minutes of taking this free assessment, the tool will generate a personal recommendation list of which apps, tools, and strategies that will work for you based on your life situation. To take the assessment, just go to theproductivityshow.com/quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com/quiz. Take their free assessment today and you'll be on your way to becoming superhuman productive. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next productive Monday.